Teenagers, I'm guidance counselor Ryan Sheely. I'm here with Coach Matt Rather, howdy, and, and QB one Jordan Stokes. Oh, I'm paralyzed. <laughs> no, I, 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 well, spoilers. Um, uh, geez, uh, no, I was thinking more that you were like you know awkward and shy and maybe not up to the job. Uh, I was thinking more of you, you being the new QB one. Um, uh, you're, you're more of a, uh, nice. Hey, at least you're not paralyzed. <laughs> you work with what I give you to work with. I understand. Exactly. But here we are. So, so we're back, uh, with, with these fucking teenagers. Um, but we're footballing for this week cause we're actually devoting a full episode in the first of, of many to, uh, discussing Friday night lights. Um, and where, for those of you who are following along at home, um, Friday night lights is on, uh, on Netflix, uh, instant streaming, the whole five season run is on there. Um, and so we're, we're going to be going in with uh, season, uh, season one episodes one and two. So we're starting from the beginning and we're going to march through, uh, all five seasons, uh, for in, as long as it, it takes us. And for now, we're going to, we're going to probably alternate these every other week, uh, with, with gossip girls. So, um, next week, uh, Matt and I will be back with a gossip girl. Uh, but for this week, it's, uh, it's the three of us and it's, uh, um, but it's, and it's, uh, Friday night lights. So, um, let's, let's just get right into it. Like, why are we talking about this show? Like, um, you know, why, why is this a show about fucking teenagers? I was told there would be punch and pie. Um, all right, great. Um, and pancakes, there's a pancake breakfast. Uh, there would be a pancake breakfast to raise money for the, for the, for the Dylan Panthers. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah, I think obviously we're you know because this is a, Actually, a you know a sports have... podcast. We love football. Uh, we love we... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we're, no, it's we're very clear. Our, our, our devotion to competitive sports is uh, is very is very very clear. Hey, my uh, my rally girl didn't show up this morning. Can you? Uh... Uh, can you yeah. look into that, please? Yeah, I, I definitely, as the as the kind of uh, coordinator for the um, TFT Rally Girls, uh, <laughs> I will I will get on that. But no, I think this is actually an interesting thing. Of like, is this a sh- like um, you know? I think we've talked to a number of people who like are. I, I've talked to a number of people, and I, I maybe both of you have as well. Um, talked about um, talked to people who watch teen soap operas who say I don't watch. I'm not watching Friday Night Lights because um, I don't like football, you know. And and I think that uh, very early on, part of why I wanted to bring this into the fold is in watching it, in watching season one, I felt that it resonated so much with Gossip Girl. And it, for a while, a lot of season one is Gossip Girl in Texas, I would posit, um, <laughs> or has, is, is playing out some of these dynamics, um, that it really is uh, a teenage soap opera with uh with football playing you know a role that you know singing does in glee or uh or or references to new york do in um in 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 gossip girl sure um so yeah i mean that those things are not 
I, well, I, I'm of two minds about this. But on the one hand, those things really don't matter, right? You know what I mean? The underlying at – at a certain level of abstraction, you can look at underlying relationships of power and – uh, the the means through which the power is expressed, be it, you know, uh, New York, Upper East Side, you know, your steps at the Met or um, or show choir or football, um, uh, they're trivial. On the other hand, they're not trivial. Right. You know what I mean? Like that is to say no one would mistake the one show for the other. And it actually it might be. A novel idea, the the the, uh, the contention that you're advancing that these shows really have more in common than they than they don't. Yeah, um, y- you know what I'm saying. So that so that like we kind of have to operate at two at two levels when we're when we're talking about it. Um, there's kind of an abstract level, a kind of geomet- geometric proof of of teenager fucking, which is uh, <laughs> you know. <laughs> which is um, <laughs> uh, which has to do with kind of abstract relationships of power, and then there is a kind of there is a kind of nitty gritty nuts and bolts of teenager fucking, which is uh, <laughs> uh, which is that like you know say what you will about say what you will about the the denizens of the Upper East Side, but they don't you know put on funny hats and shoulder pads and run at each other uh, and fall down. I mean, I don't know. We've I think we've how many times have we seen. Blair, Serena, or Chuck wearing a funny hat and shoulder pads, like um, uh, more than once, right? Like yeah, I think sure. that the world is, we've seen so many fashion shows uh, which are filled with funny hats and shoulder pads, um, and 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 so, um, but I, I think the points the points taken um, that somehow, but I, I think that that's right. That what we want to look for is I, I, that the in some ways the aboutness. Uh, and, and, you know, if I think part of the question of why this is a, a TFT show is what it's saying about power relations and about teenagerhood sure. um, and and about, and you know, this society culture interface, which is really what this, you know, spoiler alert, that's what this podcast is about. Right. Um, and 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 it's so not, yeah, it's not actually about a bunch of guys in their thirties being assholes. It's uh, that's just the medium through which the aboutness <laughs> of the podcast is expressed. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's not, it's not about alienating and confounding the listeners. That's just the tool. Uh, yeah, with, that's a you form, know. that's a formal choice. Right. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, I would say um, that it feels like a good show to look at because, like Gossip Girl, it's about um, power relationships. And like Glee, it's about how people try to forge their identities through art. But the art is football rather than show choir. And again, it's a sort of this useless thing that is the most important thing in everybody's life. Um, and they try to kind of make themselves into human beings by focusing on it really, really carefully. And I think that that's I, like Jordan. Something that you said, I think, is is really kind of profound and cuts to the heart of what we talk about, which is that it's a useless thing, right? Mm-hmm. All of mm-hmm. these things, like your position on a blog, right, on an anonymous, you know, Tumblr about Upper East Side teenagers, doesn't matter. You know, it's not food or shelter, you know, or uh, your position in a show choir is not food or shelter. The, um, you know, the antics of a bunch of uh, uh, of a bunch of of football players doesn't matter. It's not, you know, it's not food and shelter. And this like I think this cuts to the heart of what adolescence is about. When I, you know, when it came about, it was this kind of this kind of time that is carved out before you have to be an economic actor uh, 
and, you know what I mean, and get yourself some food and some shelter. Uh, you have this this time where you can sort of invest yourself in in pursuits that are trivial in in the scheme of things, and and because they're trivial, how you choose to do them really says a lot about what kind of person you are. Does that make sense? Yeah, that uh, that I mean, all true art is useless, right? Sure. I, I think uh, I think that's in Kant somewhere. It's one of his conditions for something being art. Well, that's that I, it, I mean, that's very that's very interesting, right? Like teenagers are artists of themselves. Fuck, I, we should say, I mean, we're not talking about, these aren't normative statements about all teenagers everywhere. We should say fucking teenagers. You know, the fucking, te- <laughs> the fucking teenagers we're concerned with are, yeah, yeah. are artists the, the, themselves. So and what you mean is like the, the, art, like the, the kind of artistic representation of teenagers um, are arti- as artists of themselves, if that makes sense, right? Yeah, so exactly. that, right. Um, that, that, that something that is in this genre or this, this type of, um, this type of, of, of work of art depicts teenagerhood in that way um i think what's interesting about um about about friday night lights is that part of what it does um and and it's like glee in this way is that you have a an adult whose livelihood who is kind of professionally engaged in this useless pursuit um and is and 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 is 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 kind of engaged in um shepherding these students uh these these teenagers through this process um and and you know in glee that's that's mr Shu, and it's um and it's uh in in um uh friday night lights is coach taylor and also um tammy taylor and i'll think we really get there so much in the episodes that we're seeing, but um, she, you know, in the first early in the arc in season one becomes the guidance counselor um, right. at, uh, at, at, at uh, Dylan high school. No, I think and that's in the, that's in the first or second episode. The first or second episode. We don't see yeah. her interact yeah. in the first or second yeah. episode, but yeah. we see that she gets the job. Yeah, 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 exactly. So, so we start seeing that more and that's, that's sort of central throughout the um, entire, the entire run of the series is that, um, that really, I, I think, unique among you know uh, fucking fucking teenagers shows, um, you know that that their role is much more central rather than operating at this at this other level, right? So that in in Gossip Girl is one end of a continuum where the adults really. Are are not directly engaged like they they, they like both yeah. the there's these there's these parallel worlds there's parallel tracks where the uh, adults and the teenagers are engaged in the same per, same right. useless pursuit now, and Glee is at the the whole other end of that spectrum where it seems like the adults are are more infantile than the kids are a lot of the right. time no oh, I think I think that's I think that's um, right and it's also that it's still a lot more about the the kids and you and and you know we've talked about this before and in, in both gossip girl and glee is that you know rufus humphrey is like a a a pretty shitty parent rufus and lily are shitty parents and like, like you know rufus is shocked to learn this uh through dan's book right like <laughs> um and so are like you know mr shoe's a pretty pretty horrible teacher spanish teacher uh, yeah, well, he's, well and, and a horrible kind of even like as a glee club teacher i think he's pretty um 
like mediocre, right? We've talked about this before of like, um, you know, rather than, you know, picking a set of songs and rehearsing them, he's like, okay, guys, this time, <laughs> right. <laughs> this time, like he, he comes in and writes cold medication on the board and, and, you know, cause everybody it's flu season and everybody's sick and, and he writes cold medication and their, their inspiration is to like sing songs about health, uh, to make them all feel better. Um, <laughs> and they sing like baby and Kurt sings baby. It's cold outside. Oh, that really did happen. Um, <laughs> or, or there's a dead bird and Kurt sings blackbird singing in the dead of night. Sure. I think that one of the reasons that, uh, that I soured on Glee is that the first season you get the sense that Will Schuster, although he's struggling, actually is a good Glee club teacher yeah. or like he's, he's got like the, the necessary qualities to be a good one and he's learning to become a good one. And then in the second season, he becomes like a deeply terrible teacher who has no interest in like what, what his students are doing or about them getting better. And he's like actually trying to, to leave and follow his Broadway dreams, although they then don't actually go anywhere interesting with that plot. So we should let's let's bracket out for a second. Look, they don't. I wasn't on the the last. Uh, yeah, they don't go any anywhere interesting with that plot. Is is somewhere that is is something that can be said of Glee generally these yeah. days. So I, I want to uh, because I wasn't on the last episode. I want to address the fan base and say that uh, the fact that we're abandoning Glee, like, convince me. You know, convince me that Glee is still worth talking about. And if you manage to convince, uh, well, you'd have to convince all of us that it is. We will continue to talk about it. But I think you will find that difficult to do. And also, uh, let's just be clear that a like um, a convincing argument is uh, at the on the level uh, uh, that that uh, of of why it is interesting, and not uh, on the level of "Come on, Glee is so good." Um, right. that, <laughs> that I don't necessarily find that convincing. Or you guys are dicks because um, <laughs> unfortunately we're, we're all already convinced of that. Yeah, yeah, I find that convincing. It's just not compelling. Right. Yes. right. <laughs> yeah. So, so, so I think shall we actually, uh, shall we, shall we talk about Friday Night Lights then? Uh, yeah. I mean, I think that, well, I think, I think we have been, I mean, I think that, uh, an interesting inroad, um, here is, is, uh, in thinking about, um, coach taylor and i i think that there are interesting and and we can we well, can this is i mean right the, i what you said about it is interesting that that he and his wife are going to be a subject of the show i mean i think their relationship to the kids is interesting because they are if you think if you think of high school as a social technology right you need something to do with adolescents who can't enter the workforce you know mm. post-industrialization and so you warehouse them together in age-specific cohorts uh which when you consider it like that is a terrible idea when you consider that the model before uh, had been to integrate adolescents into a multi-generational work group like a uh, an artisan's shop or a farm or what have you you know oh i don't i don't know about that matt like i mean the the societies where i do my actual day job uh actually for um quite a long time have been um, partitioning people into age specific cohorts um, right that, that this kind of the, the this technology of age set um, uh, uh, social organization um, like you know there are the, the glosses for a lot of these um, ceremonies in like in, in pastoral so, uh, societies are graduations right and they, and uh, and there are things that also you know these groups these age set groups gloss as cohorts so um, so wait I so think Ryan, that, like what do you what do 
do you do? You know, say I'm a say I'm a you know East African cattle pastoralist, right? Mm. And I'm mm. a like describe the stages that I pass through. Uh, sure. Unless you think it's too boring, but like in in a sentence <laughs> each, can you describe like the stages that I pass through before I am an adult? Sure. Um, I mean, so it's really, I mean, before you're an adult, it's pretty binary, really. So up until um, like 13 to 16, you are a child um, and uh, and and uh, you are not supposed to be having sex uh, and you're not really doing anything. You're, you, you may be like chase after some cows occasionally with a stick, um, but you're really kind of a non-entity uh, before you are circumcised. Um, and then at um, around um, 14, uh, and, and this is mostly for boys, um, but around 14, you are um, circumcised. Um, women at that point are marriageable. Um, and men are like grouped into these, these cohorts of guys who um, uh, have been um, circumcised at the same time. And the, this first stage uh, post-circumcision is, is as warriors, right? And so um, young men who are in these, um, in these groups, uh, and there's often kind of concentric circles of, of closeness of these age-set groups. So you might have a set of uh, boys who are from neighboring families who were circumcised together. Um, and so for a, a period of time after being circumcised, um, uh, young men are not allowed to take uh, eat to eat meat in front of uh, women, and so part of what this is is that they are like out out in the bush um, alone, um, and presumably part of this was uh, engaging in uh, warfare uh, with other with other clans with other societies, um, or is um, and now a lot of that is moving around with cattle in on longer migrations, um, uh, among other things. Um, and so that you have these these groups that are kind of forged into small groups um, and that come together in larger rituals that are moving uh, through these these stages of of kind of once again coming back to um, the home uh, as a graduated um, man. And then the next graduation from warrior is to kind of is to being a junior a junior elder, right? Um, and so that these are guys who can then marry, um, can start homesteads of their own. Um, and uh, often will have herds of their own, um, and then the next age set, uh, the next graduation up from that is to be a, a elder elder, and these are the guys who are often making the larger policy decisions about uh, for the community. Um, yeah, so that's I mean, so those okay, are kind so of like, how this moves. So I want to say something about about the warrior stage, which kind of corresponds to this sort of adolescent stage, right? And hopefully corresponds to football as well. I think. Um, <laughs> yeah. No, I'm serious. I'm serious. Sure, right? sure, sure. Yeah, absolutely. Right. That that is to say, the the thing that the thing that is interesting about that is that the the tendencies, the if you will, kind of aggressive tendencies of these adolescent young men are put to use in service of of the society, right? Yeah. That is to say, you're, you're actually protecting and you're actually really protecting. Cause if there's another clan of, of, you know, 16 year olds running at you with spears and whatnot, like you're the first line of defense for, you know, the women and children, the cows and the elders, who, you know, presumably who are too old to fight for themselves. You actually have an important job that is, uh, that is important to, 
to society literally. Um, the the importance Which is of, just just like football because those well, those but are figurative, right? Those are net mead. Um, I mean, that's interesting because in Friday Night Lights, I mean, you see this even in the first two episodes, and you see it even more in episode three. Like people sure behave as if it is not figurative, um, and and that they believe that when they lose, like you know, they the people you know the that East Millbank or whoever will take their cows and women. Um, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Right. I, I think it's very interesting is that it takes on um, and I think you're right that it, it is definitely figurative, but um, at least as it's portrayed in the world of Friday Night's Lights, it takes on this urgency. Um, and, 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 and what's interesting is that although this is this useless pursuit, um, as, as we said, like in this in this town, in this in this small rural town uh, in, in West Texas, um, this appears to be life or death. Um, and, 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 you know, every time they so much as, you know, lose, uh, lose a game or, 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 or something, uh, bad might happen, you know, it's, it's, you know, it looks like Coach Taylor is going to lose his job uh, and they're going to get run out of town well, that's, uh, so right. there's, or, or something or something more sinister than that, you know, like they're, they're going to get like brutally beaten or something. Um, right. And then they talk about that, like in, in one of the first scenes, um, when they say that there's a game coming, they don't say, hey, we're like, there's a tough team coming in. They say, men are coming to destroy you. Those are, that's their <laughs> words. That's what the coach says to his team. Um, yeah. So like the idea of football as a sublimated kind of combat is, um, is absolutely front and center. And I think that one, one interesting thing about sublimated combats of various kinds is that they always have the potential to turn into non-sublimated combat. Like, um, sure. you know, b- battle rapping um, is, is, a big, is a big thing for this, and breakdancing and tagging, like all of that hip-hop culture. Um, I don't, I don't want to say that it, like, it evolved as a way to sublimate gang violence, but as it evolved, it became a way to sublimate gang violence. And, like, one of the reasons why people get so exercised about that is because the the possibility for the gang violence still exists. Although I don't think that it's very likely that the next town over in Texas is going to charge into Dillon and start burning stuff if, uh, if things go wrong on the football field. You do see in the second episode the kind of the sublimated violence of the football team begins to kind of inwardly turn into outward violence and people are getting into fistfights and stuff because the status quo has been disturbed and suddenly like the sublimated violence isn't, isn't getting the job done. So you get like these explosions of actual violence around the fringes. And, and you see this, I mean, we'll, we'll be interested to, it'll be interesting to return to this because you see, and I guess I'm in an interesting position because I've now, wa- I've watched the show from beginning to end. Um, and so you, you, this develops even more, um, both throughout season one, um, and even more so, um, later on in the run of the show. Um, so I think that's, I think that's, uh, definitely right on. I mean, it just also reminds me, um, you know, in, in, uh, Notorious B.I.G.'s, uh, song Party and Bullshit, uh, and it's all, and this is also, like, depicted in the movie, uh, Notorious, uh, there's a line where he sort of says, um, uh, you know, uh, that blows was thrown and a fucking, fucking fight broke out. And in the song, that sounds like a fight breaks out. Uh, and I know that there's this amazing moment in that, in that movie where it's depicted that Tupac is at Biggie's show, sees this like simulated fight break out after that lyric. And then the chorus comes back in, uh, or the song comes back in and like, 
Tupac sees, I mean, the, the, like at least what the movie is trying to convey is that like, you know, Tupac actually sees that this kind of not only sublimated violence, but this kind of, you know, veering closer to that real violence um, entertains. Right. Um, and and for and, and so part of the how I reinterpret, um, you know, part of the meaning of um uh, of 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 the film Notorious is that that got that that kind of got very blurred in the and the battle rap and actual battle got very blurred um, for for Tupac and Biggie is at least the the thesis is advanced by the the movie and I think you see that again um, in in Friday Night Lights that this this kind of the men are coming to destroy you um, uh, uh, becomes very um, it's hard to tell what of that is 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 something what of that is kind of performance um, on under the under these lights uh, on the football field, um, and what of that is is real? And I mean, and, and that's hard to you know the violence is very hard to to move away from because you know the kind of climactic moment of the pilot is the star All American quarterback you know Jason Street being paralyzed. Right. You know, I mean, and I think that was part of what made me like be because I didn't know a lot about the show, and for me the hook is like you know. You par- when you paralyze a guy, like, you know, going down, I'm like, oh, this guy's the main character. He's the, uh, you know, it's like, imagine paralyzing Finn, uh, in, you know, like, right. in, in, in episode one of, of Glee. Um, uh, you know, it's like the person who is, who should be the main character, you know, they, um, they, they, they change him catastrophically immediately. Right. Um, and, and it's... Well, sure, it, yeah, the show, I mean, the show takes a turn, and it's like... It's it's about ulteriority, right? It's about like what something purport- the difference between what something purports to be about and what something is actually about. Listen, you to mean like actors. like this podcast? This purport podcast purports to be about uh, Gossip Girl and Glee. <laughs> um, yeah. I want to uh, say, say something about uh, yeah, and is actually about three assholes uh, alienating and confounding the listeners. There but, are so many. There, are, there, are, there's at least three layers of meaning. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I want to say something. I want to say something more about about sublimated combat because it it has to do with I think the narrative that I see being set up when you have a paralyzed character. Um, Yale University Press published an anthology of kind of early rap lyrics. And uh, I, I read a review of it. I haven't actually seen the anthology, but I read a review of it in Poetry Magazine, which is the, you know, the storied journal of you know, 20th century modernist poetry, which is still hanging around and got this many hundreds of millions of dollars or maybe a hundred million dollar charitable gift recently. And so we'll be around uh, forever and ever. And so they, they, they did all kinds of things like now, uh, now the cover illustrations are in color and stuff like that. But uh, they, had a, uh, they had a review of this anthology of rap lyrics. And it's a lot of this battle rap stuff, and it's a lot of this kind of calling out rival MCs and, you know, playing the dozens in really imaginative ways and how you sort of diss on your, your, your rivals. But the, um, the, uh, the uh, reviewer makes the point that in all arts, there comes, there, they all kind of begin like that. And you can imagine like French troubadours, like going around the countryside, you know, uh, singing about how their rival troubadours don't impregnate women, you know, as readily as they do or something like this. And the shock, uh, the red, shock, the red, shock, the red can eat a big fat dick. <laughs> <laughs> 
and uh, right, and the reviewer makes it makes a point that like at, at a certain point, this this interpersonal combat is is not just this this already sublimated interpersonal combat because you're doing it in words and not you know not in in physical violence is further sublimated inward into a kind of striving with oneself towards something like beauty, right? And that's when a, that's when a performance sort of becomes art. Uh, when when you sort of when when the battle is kind of with yourself and it's fought within yourself and this is something that i think is is interesting about paralyzing the main character because it's like a, a, the his battlefield is now kind of his own personality right yeah and now he's trying to read the coverage like of his spinal cord and uh and like <laughs> step into the pocket of uh <laughs> re- recreating his identity as something other than a quarterback and so well, and in a way, they're all paralyzed. In a way. <laughs> in a way. So um, th- that idea that the, the ulteriority of battle rap, which claims to be about uh, insulting somebody and is actually about sort of the, the constant struggle of art, uh, is, is actually, I think, a really interesting one for this show. Because especially in the first episode... Um, the idea of ritual and things that seem to mean one thing but quite clearly mean another thing and then can maybe be used to, to mean, like, yet a third thing is so, so present. Um, take the, the example of the, um, what was it, the, the rally girls, right? Is, is that the term yeah. they use for it? Yes, we got, yes. We got to talk about women. I mean, we got to talk about gender at some point. It's, it's kind of an elephant in the room because all the, all the groups of warriors we've been talking about, whether battle rappers or football stars or, you know, Maasai. Maasai, Maasai, yeah. pastoralists. Yeah. Exactly. Or troubadours for the most part. Yeah. Or, um, yeah, or troubadours. Yeah. Like, there, there are a couple of women in there, but not, not too many. And a couple of also, female battle rappers. But As an aside, I think I've mentioned this before, but my high school's uh, show choir was called the Troubadours. Um, so there you go. Um, <laughs> it all comes back together. <laughs> so was our football team. We were very bad. Um, no. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but yeah, so the, um, the, the role of the, uh, the rally girls is that if you are a starting player on the football team, not a, not a bench warmer, but a starting player, then you have a... I don't think it's even a cheerleader. It's just like a a football fan who is an attractive high school girl who is assigned to cater to your every whim. And like one of the things that they do, um, I mean, the, the, the different players may have different relationships with different rally girls. Some of them get their papers written by them. Some of them do this, some of them do that. But every rally girl will bring baked goods to their player um, on the the day before or the day of a game, it wasn't quite clear uh, when it's going on. So, like they, the, the the players all get some sugar in a in a kind of literal way, right? Huh. Um, and this is something that like it's meant to be a nice thing that you're doing for a guy that you have a quasi romantic relationship with, right? Like you can imagine at some point in the mists of time, there was some rally girl who brought a cake in for uh, for her guy because he liked cake and she liked baking. Sure. Um, but it mm. is quite clearly within the world of the show at this point, it's become an element of, uh, of theater. It's the way that like there are some still today, there are noble families in Britain who have estates that they live on that they rent from the crown. And once a year they like, they present their payment to the queen. And it's something like the tail of a fox that they shot themselves on the estate. 
and like that's what they pay for living there. And the, like the the the, Dutch, the the Duke of East, you know, uh, Bumblefuck or whatever, like has <laughs> every year for the past thousand years presented a bloody fox tail to the queen, and like this is still going on. Um, and it used to be an honest duty and has now become social theater. So what the rally girls are doing by giving the cookies is they're not even actually um, demonstrating their subservience to the men, although that's a part of it. But they're demonstrating that they are important uh, people within the social hierarchy of the high school in their own right. You know, they're claiming their status as a rally girl by carrying the, the, the present around. And you see them quite proudly carrying these packages around through the halls before they find the guy they're supposed to hand it right. off to. Well, it's important that it's a, a, a public ritual, right? It creates, um, in, in some ways, in, in this society, it's like being a rally girl and a, a football player is like one other step that comes before like marriage, right? That are also these public communal things where everyone kind of recognizes that you are at a certain stage. Um, yeah. And, and yeah, the- that's really interesting. One of the really interesting things about it is that, like, I mean, going back to the the portfolio of this show, right, uh, TFT, you do get the sense that some sex is had by football players and rally girls, but at least in the episodes I've seen, you don't get a sense that um, that any of them, and I mean both the guys and the girls, that any of them are having sex because they like to have sex. It's They seem to do it because they, they like the being part of this cohort that gets to have sex. Like the football players and the cheerleaders are the sex havers. And then the other people in the high school are like the, the sex disenfranchised. Well, that's amazing because that, that, I mean, that, that is reso- like resonates with something that um, we were talking about uh, when I, when I was describing, um, you know, the society, the Messiah communities that I've worked in is that, you know, in those societies, it's kind of externally dictated or it's, it's, you know, you know, it's, it's d- defined as tradition and this is, you know, mutated over time, but you know, it's that the people who are circumcised are the sex havers and those who are not yet circumcised are, um, you know, not the sex havers. And that's, that's at least the public transcript. I mean, I've, the hidden transcript is I've talked to some young, some guys who talk about a practice that they call the, in, in Ma, the word is asak, uh, and it translates to, to stealing sex, um, which is having sex, uh, before you're circumcised um but i think that this idea of being publicly recognized as 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 getting to have sex um is just as important and um is looking forward there's actually a season one uh episode of friday night lights that's called we we should have sex uh and (laughs) i won't i won't i won't say uh who says this to whom um, uh, but it's, it's very interesting and I, I'll be excited to return to this, uh, then because, um, I, I think it actually, it, it fits precisely, um, with, with what you're, with what you're describing and, and it really bears out your read. So it's kind of, it's kind of fun, bec- uh, being in the position, position that I am because like most of like, um, you have no idea how true and accurate. <laughs> most of what you're saying is and so it's like it's not even like narrative inevitability it's like thematic and conceptual inevitability and you will be very pleased um nice. Nice. <laughs> it will just continue to uh to blossom um so well where else are we i mean so part of this this, ep- this episode uh for us is setting setting the cognitive agenda um i mean it sounds it sure sounds like you know i'm, I'm sure there's lots more that we could dive into but i mean part of what we've established is uh that this is this is a fact 
you know, this this is happening, guys. Uh, we are talking about um, Friday Night Lights is part of the Pantheon. It's joined uh, uh, Glee, Gossip Girl, um, Skins as 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 part of this this set of this ever expanding set of 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 TFT uh, media of of shows that are about uh, TFT about these fucking teenagers. Um, I mean, I think that. Uh, as as we said, you know, structurally we'll be alternating episodes. So next week, I mean, we'll we'll try to post it on the Twitter or 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 the um or or the show notes uh, or something. But uh, in about two weeks, we'll do another two to three episodes. Uh, so episodes three and four, or three, four, and five of of season one. Uh, but any other kind of parting shots of kind of either nitty gritties or um, big kind of thematic things that you guys want to set out before we before we wrap. Yeah, I have a W R W R A P. Yeah, yeah. I, I have uh, two things to uh, to say. One which I already kind of like teased out a little bit, but I but I do want to bring up in the the second episode. Basically, what we see is that this character having been paralyzed, there is now a power vacuum in the center of the the high school, mm-hmm. um, and things begin to go crazy because like various people try to move to take over that power vacuum, um, which is something that like you think of in the history of world empires rather than the history of high school social groups. Um, and we can, we can talk about that more next time, I guess. It's probably a little bit rich to, uh, to get into now. The second thing I want to bring up is um, there's a throwaway moment in the first episode where uh, the coach's daughter is reading Moby Dick, presumably for school. And she says, you know, Moby Dick is a great metaphor for football in this town um, <laughs> because, like, they're going after the state championship as if it's the white whale. And I think it's, it's actually a terrible metaphor for football in this town because they're not trying to destroy the state championship, right? Um, but it, it got me thinking, and I was like, why did they put that in there? Because it's actually such a bad fit. And I have a theory that, um, that Friday Night Lights as a whole is supposed to be Moby Dick, but it's not like any of the characters in there are actually Ahab. Ahab is the, the authorial voice of the filmmaker, and because uh, the thing in Moby Dick, right, is that like Ahab wants to kill the whale, but that's only because he can't kill God. He thinks of the whale as like a stand-in <laughs> for God because the whale is part of the natural order and the natural order is God's creation. And he's mad at, uh, at God. So he's going to smash the whale because it's what he has access to. And I feel like the, uh, the filmmakers or like, I mean, not the, not the filmmakers actually, but uh, the, the sort of the implied persona of the, of the filmmakers um, is trying to attack football culture in a small Texas town because that culture is a stand-in for, like, the general power relationships of American society that are too entrenched for them to even strike at. Mm. I think that's really interesting because I think there's... I mean, as it goes on, there's actually a deep kind of ambivalence. And I actually don't know Moby Dick well, so I I don't know how this um, holds up. But I think there's this deep ambivalence because... Um, I think there is this kind of football obliterating um, spirit here. And, and I think that this ambivalence uh, toward, uh, but I think it is ambivalence because I think that there is, um, it definitely, there's parts of this that make you generally excited about football. Um, and not only because like you see how many different ways a team can come from behind in the last three <laughs> seconds. Um, and, oh, and, and let me tell you, there are many. Um, um, you know, like, uh, and, and I think they struggle with that as well. Um, but I, I think that, that there is, there's a, there, uh, there is one, at one level, a, a kind of 
love poem to to football and, and some aspects of the relationship aspects of, of the the aesthetic experience um, of, of playing football of being at football games um, and we at, at some point you know all of us the three of us met in a marching band that ostensibly uh, you know a, a, the, the, a marching band that a football team supported and traveled around with um, and, <laughs> <laughs> um, and so I think we can relate to this a lot uh, yeah but, but, but uh, marching band was just the pretext for for a lot of the homosociality that was going on and 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 i think that there is that in um in friday night lights as as well um yeah uh, and we'll, we'll we'll get there there's a few kind of recurring tropes that that cement that uh, that i don't think have happened yet um but but i think that there is this kind of thing i mean especially later on we start to see um there's these interesting uh references to uh it's not as as frequent or on the nose uh, as uh, as 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 in Gossip Girl, but you start getting you know the sense that the writers definitely a know about kind of that that indie that indie rock and roll um, and <laughs> uh, and and b that they they want to kind of signal that like that they know about it um, and that like cer- at certain point I think is either season three or, uh, or later that Ju- Julie Taylor has a um, poster for the liars uh, in her room. And the liars are a uh, Brooklyn slash LA noise rock uh, band. <laughs> um, hmm. And uh, uh, you know, they're the, you know, the, 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 you know, the best ever noise rock band in Texas, you know? Uh, <laughs> uh, nice. And there were a couple of guys been friends since grade school. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, hail Satan. Um, <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I've always, I've always imagined, you know, when I, when I periodically fantasize myself as a rock star, I always imagine covering, uh, the best ever death metal band out of Denton and turning the, the final chorus of hail Satan, hail Satan, hail Satan into this, like this anthemic thing where a football stadium full of, of, you know, adolescents with all their raw energy and fury pumps their fists in the air, shouting hail Satan, hail Satan, hail Satan over again and like i get on fox news or something for inciting well, uh, this kind of for inciting this kind of quasi riot among the youth of whatever town my tour happens to be in that week i think that you know john darnell is going for that but i think that at, at a certain level is that what john darnell is, is probably once had that fantasy of uh, john darnell of the mountain goats uh for those of you who are not uh following along at home um is um is 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 evoking that and yet and when he plays the song live produces that but it's not with a, a room full of teenagers it's with a room full of of 30 year old um you know <laughs> people with with postgraduate degrees yeah right exactly so, you know standing there inexplicably with khaki king on stage at the you know, williamsburg <laughs> music yeah. Hall or something. yeah but i think that you know in some ways if we do a um a prolegomena uh, episode for uh, that that is kind of focused on looking forward to um you know like like prior reading and prior material for friday night lights yeah uh, in addition to any of the scholarly uh literature i actually think a, a crucial piece of the uh scholarly literature is the mountain goats all hail west texas I, you know album. what i was just i just had that thought i think we should do an episode just about that album that's just a close, that's just a close reading of that that album hey before we before we break can i can i squeeze in a couple of concerns that i want to Squeeze them in, squeeze them in, squeeze them out. I, uh, you talked, Brian, <laughs> last week about um, 
what happens when you acknowledge someone as a rival? And you talked about, you know, Gossip Girl acknowledging the spectator as a rival. In a way, it's a bad political move because you kind of ennoble them by doing that. You acknowledge that they're on the same battlefield as you and so are, are on the same level as you. Um, but you also put yourself at risk because when someone is a rival, uh, they could beat you and you could lose something. And I think it's, I think it's, I think that a question that we always have to keep in mind with our cognitive agenda is what is at stake here? Uh, that is to say, what is the ca- what is the capital? What is the kind of good that's being fought over? And you know, I think we we our our concerns and what you know about us kind of hints at an answer to that question. I I think that this show also we should look at this show kind of. I'm getting the sense that we look at it as the picture of a society, kind of kind of the way The Wire is a picture of of a society. And in that, I wanna I wanna like generalize from something that Jordan said, which is that uh, you know Ahab is killing the Ahab is killing the whale because he can't kill God. The writers are writing about. Um, about football culture in Texas because they can't write about American society. Uh, Because they can't write a TV show uh, about class and gender relations. (laughs) Right. And and then, like, I I think that this is a really interesting tool to analyze a lot of art with, not just the things that we talk about. But, uh, you know, character is doing X because they can't do Y. You know, mm. and that and and the way those things get get sublimated. And I think I think that one of the topics maybe I, I want to suggest, I think it'll it'll have to be borne out or not by our experience of the show is is that something that's going on here is about the diminishing power of America on on the world stage. Right. And the, um, the and I think we talked about this last week. We did, yeah, we, we did. Our- and I, I and I really think it now having looked at these having looked at these episodes, you know what I mean? When you knock the All-American out. Uh, in the first hour, you're 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 saying that like this is a new this is a new world order to to some extent. I, I you know I I think and how that how that I have a I have a, a premonition that that may may come to be important. How that plays out that's something I have my eye on. Awesome. Cool. Well, I think I think we've set the cognitive agenda. So, um, like you said, we we've set it. But uh, you know, uh, join in, listeners. Uh, you know, and and if if you're a Glee fan. Um, and, and you're dismayed. My, my, what I recommend is, is get on Netflix and watch, uh, seasons one of Friday Night Lights, uh, episodes one through four, uh, one through five, or get on the waffles, um, get them some way and get, give it a shot. And I, hopefully what we've done today is start to convince you that you want to give this a, a shot. Um, if you, um, Regardless, if you now know someone who is or was a Friday Night Lights uh, fanatic, um, turn them on to the ha- show. Ha- turn them on to the show. And I want to uh, say, I want to say a, a word of warning about about sending us emails about why we should do Glee. Our minds are more or less made up, and so it's going to have to be a pretty convincing argument. And I just want to make the point because I read all the emails that come in that convincing arguments are concise. <laughs> that, <laughs> <laughs> that they're extremely brief. You know, <laughs> yeah. You know what? Like, let's let's say this. Uh, tweet us about why we should <laughs> yeah, continue yeah, to watch Glee. That's great. Well, <laughs> I, was, I was gonna say a hundred. Uh, I was gonna say I was gonna say two hundred words. But if you can do it in in a text uh, or in one hundred and forty characters in a tweet, you can do that. And that, that text will go to twenty fat jog one. That's two zero three two eight five six four zero one. So text us. And, and I actually, yeah, I think or haiku would work as well. Uh, <laughs> nice. But like, really, yeah. Uh, even like, a, I, I think a hundred words is too many. I think I think let's pare this down. Like, I want like to f- laser focused, like um, analytic uh, understanding of yeah, why. What, what, what is good? What is still good in Glee? and and. 
But again, good, I think that we have to, the word, the definition for good that we right. have to use is interesting. Good at that highest level of uh, abstraction. Um, like, I, 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 like, even, I mean, I even of, think like things that I used to get pleasure out of from Glee are, are failing to give me pleasure anymore. Sure, but that's almost, that's irrelevant. Like, it's, if Glee, if like this, if we started to hate the songs, um, but it were still interesting, I think we'd still be talking about it. Sure. Like, um, because like the the football is going to get a lot less interesting in Friday Night Lights, and the the show gets more interesting. Yeah, that's that's um, true. Like like anyone who has read the Scarlet Letter in high school knows something can be extremely boring, uh, and still be worth talking about. Um, and so so hopefully this is more worth talking about than it is uh, than is extremely boring. So um, you know uh, as always we'll we'll be uh, extremely boring about the football. We'll be extremely boring about the rally girls. We'll be extremely boring about uh, hailing Satan. But most of all, we'll be extremely boring about these, these fucking, fucking teenagers. teenagers.